Let all that I am waiting quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, my rock, where no enemy can reach me. O my people, trust in Him at all times. Pour out your heart to Him, for God is our refuge. Psalms 62, 5-8. Strikers, we get to meet a new pastor today, next on The Mighty Anvil. God, you are my smith. Forge me into the servant that you would have me be. Hit me hard enough to brush the scale and impurities from my life. Draw out my life to the length that you would have it. Make me tough enough to resist persecution, and temper me so that I am hard enough to withstand my temptations. Lord, as I go through life, put me back in the fire from time to time to repair me as I get blemished with sin. And when my life is over and the fires of life are all quenched, grant me a home with you in heaven. Amen. Amen. All right, Strikers, welcome back. Uh, episode one of season five. Uh, we took a little break. Um, that was kind of needed. Alan had a, a baby. Well, not he didn't have a baby. I would be a very rich man if I had a baby. Yeah, that would have been all over the news, and y'all yeah. would have seen that. Uh, his beautiful wife, Shannon, uh, got to have uh, a new one. How, how, did, that, how did that go? Um, it went well. Right on. Yeah, yeah. She's, uh, she was born eight pounds and 13 ounces. And her name? Aviana Grace. Nice. A little yeah. bit of grace there. Yeah. Uh, with me, I had a little bit of COVID, dealt with that. So it was a well-needed break, and uh, yeah, so we're back. Uh, so the brushing. Uh, we got some ELC events coming up. February 17th, we have a She Gathering. February 19th, uh, Serve Day, which uh, the details will be in the show notes. So there's several options there. Um there's actually just dropping off some hygiene stuff or actually going out to embrace is one of the areas you can go out to uh, and serve there. I'm not sure what will be happening there, but uh, yeah, all the details are in the show notes, which will take you to the website. And then February 25th, we got Warrior Night and uh, upcoming Embrace events. Uh, April 29th uh, through May 1st, adopt Adoptive Family Campout at Lake Whitney State Park. And then uh, June 8th, uh, Child to Family Connection Adoption Event is at Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano. And that's what we've got right now. Let's see. For Grace Point Family Church, we have our Bring the Light uh, outreach on coming up on March 5th. Um, other than that, uh, we've had our uh, book studies going on right now. You can go to gracepointfamilychurch.com to sign up to learn more about them. Uh, find one that's near you, and then that way you can uh, get involved. Uh, past that, we have our permanent food bank in Anna, Texas, located on 505 North Powell Parkway. It is called Grace Place. It is open Monday and Wednesday from 4 to 7 p.m. and Saturday from 8 a.m. to noon. So if you find yourself uh, in a spot where you're food insecure, come by, do some shopping, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll get you set up. Well, uh, we have a guest uh, today that I'm excited to bring on. I've had a, a lunch with him, uh, I think it was last year sometime, and... I knew that I wanted to have him on at that time because of the conversations that we had. It was just, he's really got some interesting viewpoints. And yeah, so I'm really excited uh, to introduce Blake Strum. 
to the podcast. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Glad to be here. Thank right on. Ah, I'll put some fanfare need, on there. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, we need like a applause or something. Yes, we'll put some super... <laughs> we'll record the Super Bowl this weekend. The, the Superb Owl. You cannot call it the Super Bowl. Oh. Total the, side note, who are you going for in the Super Bowl this weekend? Rams or Bengals? Uh, so, I actually have... Cousin by proxy plays yeah. on the Bengals. Really? So, I guess... I guess I'll be pulling for them. Right on. Um, yeah, Blake has a uh, little side gig. Uh, I'm not sure how much uh, he's making off of it, but from what I understand, it's big bucks. And uh, so you got an Instagram account, uh, and uh, the, what I've what I have seen is the TikToks that you do. Yeah, um, it's just we do. Uh, it's a lot of, a lot of real stuff, a lot of sports stuff. We had some stuff that that went a little viral end of the year, so it's. Again, it's just something on the side. I can I could talk sports for days. So, um, yeah, See, I just pastors are people too. Put, putting putting up my thoughts, my takes. I literally was just sharing some updates from Adam Schefter because they hired a bunch of new NFL coaches today. So, oh uh, yeah, yeah. who did the Cowboys get? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did we lose anybody? Uh, unfortunately, no. Okay, so it looks like everyone's staying put. Huh. So we've got the. It looks like uh, they got the new same coaching staff coming back next year. So, okay, well, there's some uh, goodness you know. and, and consistency. Yeah, uh, we've been very consistent the last 27 yes. years. Yes, very consistent. Yes, very consistent. <laughs> so we are a core value-led podcast, and uh, typically we have our new guests come on, and we get to know what their top three core values are. Yeah. Uh, so what are yours? For sure. So we actually, uh, I won't cover all of them. We actually have five in our house. Um, just because we wanted to be a little extra, but um, looking at uh, looking at the ones that are big for us. So number one, we have what we call pursue, um, and what we what my wife and I have determined is every moment of our lives will be spent pursuing the things of God above all else. Um, and I think uh, you know, being someone who qualifies as a millennial and just the things that we're seeing um, within the church or even just within culture, a lot of it is it's not just me centered. It's it's waiting it's waiting for things to be given. And so whether it's our, our walk with the Lord or just how we want to conduct our life, it's, there has to be a level of pursuit on our end um, as it pertains to that. Um, the next one is mercy. We give mercy and we speak truthfully no matter what. I think it's a very simple thing that's lost in this day and age, um, but it's also something you have to be um, intentional in reminding yourself um, as it goes there. And then uh, another big one for us is learning. Uh, what we say in our house is confidence does not replace the need to learn when we remain teachable, we never stop growing. Well, I kind of think that's important for what you do at the church. Yes. So yeah, what the, do you do at the church, Blake? So currently my wife and I serve as the kids pastors at Elevate Life Church. We've been in that role almost two years uh, coming up on. Um, so we oversee everything for kids at birth all the way through fifth grade. So roughly about 11, 12 years old. Right on. Okay. Yeah, I served in that industry. In that industry. In that industry. <laughs> served there uh, for 13 years. Uh, a lot of losses in that industry. Oh, you know, you say losses, <laughs> and we actually had a kid come up missing. Okay, that's not good. Out of 13 years, I think, you know, one kid's not too bad. You know, that's not too bad, right? Just I, I mean, and what, if you what, ask the parents. What, yeah, <laughs> right. And what threw me off was he walked by security, and security took him to the front office. And I would have... I don't know who I don't remember who that was. I, I wouldn't say anything anyway. But yeah, I was like, why don't you just bring him back to the class? But, yeah, 
Yeah, that was a little freakout moment, if you can imagine. Oh uh, my goodness, mom I can only imagine. Was, yeah, and not happy. I don't think mom and I were on a, on good uh, terms anyway, so this really didn't. Oh, help. that's yeah, that was that's great. Perfect. I don't know how that aligned, but yes, mm. that was kind of a fun moment. Um, and then, so uh, I'm reading a lot about grace yeah. recently, and um, the Grace Awakening by Chuck Swindoll uh, really open my eyes to how important that is. What is the difference between grace and mercy? Yeah. So grace is, um, you know, grace is really what is given to us through Jesus of what we don't deserve. The grace of my life is the thing that I don't, as I, the thing I don't deserve the most. Um, and, and that is because, because of who Jesus is and and what he did uh, for us, you know, mercy is the ability to, um, you know, with our house, we talk about it in regards to our the ability to show compassion. That's obviously something that we we have and that we have received, but it's also something that we can actively give. Um, and I think it's one of those things that in a day and age where everything is so reactionary, and literally people can make their careers off of an ability to not be merciful, to just immediately go on the attack and just look for just we're just looking for one. One flaw, one thing about a person, you can, I mean, ESPN has basically made, got me on the sports thing, ESPN is basically <laughs> made up of commentators who just look for the, the one the one flaw, and, and I think in, in that regard, I think it's important to be able to, um, you know, be able to demonstrate that level of mercy towards people, towards each other, towards our own family, um, and to go that extra mile that, you know, in a lot of cases, other people won't. Core scripture. Yeah, we read at the beginning. Yeah, Psalm six two for, uh, five through eight. Yeah, why yeah. is that your? So that really became a life a life scripture for me. Back honestly, I was probably still in high school, and it, it wasn't even intended to be a life scripture at all. I I don't even remember. I was in high school, so it was probably some weird teenage thing, and you just you know you're, you're going through. But um, just through a series of events, especially eighteen, nineteen, twenty, kind of entering adulthood. Um, whenever there was just. Um, you know, weighty decisions or something season changing in my life early on. That was the passage I was going back to because it speaks to how he is the source, not only of my strength, but he is, he is the fortress, which I run through. Mm -hmm. He is the thing that makes me consistency in my life, both in what I do, you know, as a pastor, but then just personally, I've always found great value in being a person who's consistent and being around people who are consistent. Um, and so very early on, I just, I adhered myself to the, to the scripture, um, because it speaks to being able to remember and look back to where that consistency, where that rock comes from. And it's nothing that I conjure up. It's not, I can, with all the best of intentions, but without Christ, all of that is null and void, but with Christ and looking back on who he is, he's my salvation. He is my rock. He's my fortress. And if every, every decision, everything I come across in my life, whether it's been, Again, this started back when it was teenagers. Who knows what was going on as a teenager back then? All the way to, you know, we were talking about parenting stuff before. Be on the show as a parent, you daily you're waking up going, "Wow, I really have no idea what I'm doing," you know. And and, <laughs> and to be able to to look at scripture and remind myself that, like, you know, God thought enough of me to choose me to be this child's parent. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. God 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 picked me above above everyone else. And just take that moment and reflect back. It's something that David. And the Psalms speak to the most is someone who can, in the most intense moments, just look back and be like, 
but God. I think it's Psalms uh, 27 that says, I would have lost heart had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I think when David wrote that, most believe, uh, if there's theologians listening, correct me if I'm wrong, most believe that that was written um, either uh, during or immediately after the civil war with his son Absalom, which was literally one of the most tumultuous times in David's life where his, his own son turned out, I didn't mean to get down this path, but his own son turned an entire, the Bible says the entire heart of the nation turned against David because of Absalom. And him winning this whole civil war was the death of his son. And then you have this psalm that says, I would have lost heart had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land. How do you write that? How, does, how do you put that on paper in that moment? Or even any of the other seasons of David's life. You're hiding in caves. You're, you know, your own family that wants nothing to do with it. There are intense things. But one of the things that Psalm speaks to the most is the ability to, no matter the circumstance of the situation, look back on who God is, who Jesus is for me, as in regards to him being my salvation, my starting point. And just for me, it's, it's, it's always been, uh, it's always been the, the scripture that I start with, um, especially in moments where I feel like either as a dad or a husband or a leader, I need to make a high leverage decision. But even just on a on a daily basis, just to remind myself, even when it's all going right, man, this is all going right because of what my foundation is, about who my fortress is. Um, and it's just it's just one of those things that somewhere along the way I just recognize that, that this scripture will forever be with me. All the scripture is important, but this one is just one that, like you said, it's a life scripture, it's a life purpose scripture for me. I like that. It makes me think about, uh, makes me think about uh, my focus lately kind of in the same just remembering who he is and focusing on him no matter what the hardships are around you uh it makes it okay because of who he is and yeah. uh knowing that he's got he's got me so i like that so uh we are on the pastors are people too mm-hmm. and uh so growing up what was your favorite tv show Ooh, growing up, man. Nah, we were just we were talking about TV shows before we jumped on here, so I was thinking about all the the more, the more recent stuff. I mean, I'm pretty. I mean, I was prototypical, kind of the basic nerdy stuff. So I was big into Star Wars. Yeah, there weren't really Star Wars shows back then. I guess no. now there are. So for all of us that are adults now, it's really yes taking us back to our inner child. <laughs> um, I, I I get I I feel like I was probably more of a movie a movie guy than shows guy growing up. It pretty much was movies and sports for me. Like so, if it was on TV, it was usually sports related. I'm anything like outside of soccer. I I was consuming sports. Hey, what's wrong with soccer? Nothing's wrong with soccer. It's just <laughs> not as good, you know. In my in my opinion. Um. So, uh, but. You know, other than that, it was usually it was usually movies, and up until now, now we've got like shows, it's like you know, like we were Book, of Boba, Bo- Fett. Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian, like oh, oh, man, yeah, oh, man, twelve year old me would love this, and so right? it's just it's great. So, uh, yeah, but I'd, I'd say back, you know, back in the day, I was I was way more movie focused. So, so, what was a movie that you saw several times? I mean, Lord of the Rings has pretty much always been on repeat for me. Um, again, Star Wars, Star Trek, your basic like. I covered all the basic nerdy stuff for sure. Um, you know, movies outside of that. Once I got old enough, you know, movies like Gladiator. You know, being a 
teenage boy, uh, yeah, yeah. Russell Crowe, right? You know, that's how, um, <laughs> He's not it, the same. Yeah, anymore. the Patriot. You know, I think. I think here's the thing. I feel like Russell Crowe thinks he's still the same. <laughs> I think we are all the ones that are aware that's probably not the same anymore. Um, Steven Seagal uh, thinks he's still the same. Oh that's, yeah, that's, that's true. That's the more <laughs> extreme example. The yeah, that, right? yeah. That's the more extreme. There what was I, there was a Russell Crowe movie that they were doing a promo for, and and it was I forget what it was. And it was it was one where he was like he it was like a road rage thing oh, or whatever, yeah, yeah. and he, they're like trying to put him off as a guy. And I was like, I don't I don't need to watch this. This will ruin this will ruin Russell Crowe for me. I don't need to watch <laughs> this. Um, I saw that movie. I know what you're did, talking. Did about. you really? Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I right? Like yeah, was yeah. it was it kind of like oh man, can we just go back to 2000? Like I feel like yeah. that's what it was. I was watching the promo. I was like. Everyone wants to be Liam Neeson, where like you can be called. in your sixties and still be cranking out somewhat entertaining action movies. It's like, yeah, it was Amazon. It was on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 We'll look it up. Yeah, yeah. That was, it was an interesting movie. I yeah. remember the scissors and the eyes. At mm-hmm. the very end. So, 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 Gladiator was was one. Once I got you know a little bit older as a teenager, The Patriot. Oh, I loved watching The Patriot with Mel Gibson. Um, that, that cast, that cast was absolutely just loaded. Yes. Um, such a good Heath movie. Ledger. So yeah, and I was big. Yeah, I was big into like American history at the time, and so it was just like that's what I was like. Yes, this is what I imagine when I'm talking history. So, um, those that those two were probably big ones that were constantly on repeat outside of the normal, you know, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, all that stuff. Gotcha, Alan. What you got? What do you? What's your favorite food? Favorite food. So I am. Um, I feel like a lot of people claim to be foodies. I don't know if I'm a foodie or not. I, I will say, I'm big on burgers. Like if I just pick a group, mm-hmm. I would say burgers. I'm more of if there's certain things on the menu, I will I will judge a restaurant based off of that. So like if I go to a restaurant and they say, "Hey, we have chicken fried steak," guess what I'm trying? Like if you put chicken fried steak on your menu in Texas, it better be good. Where's your place? Right. For chicken fried steak right now, actually the place that has a really good one is Frisco Diner right here okay. right around the corner. Mm. Um, but then if I go to like another joint and the 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 one burger for me, if they have a barbecue burger on there, mm-hmm. I feel like if you, you say I got a barbecue burger, it better be legit. Texas, so I'm going to try out your barbecue burger, yeah. right? Um, and so, uh, so I'd say like things like that. Like if there's like staples, like anytime you go to a restaurant and they say this is what we're known for, I'm the guy that goes. All right, let's see what you got. And unfortunately, like half the time, it winds up being terrible, or you yeah. feel like you need to go. <laughs> the two things I'm looking for is a bit, the best burger place. Yes, uh, which I, you know, right now it's just Scotty P's because I can't. I feel like that's kind of I don't know. So my favorite one actually closed down during COVID. They're trying to make a comeback. I don't know if you've ever been t- Twisted Root. Yeah, burger yes. company. Yeah. They're starting to make a comeback. Thank goodness. But the menu's still a little not quite what it was. But oh, I could back in the day. I say back in the day, it was like two years ago before COVID. <laughs> I, could, I, I could do some damage over there. Um, another one that, uh, a burger place right now that I'm actually really enjoying is um, a Wolf Burger. Again, right around the corner, right next to Frisco Diner. Yeah. It's like a little smash burger. Like, you have to be in the mood for it. Okay. But it's solid. Like, I know I can go there, and their fries are really, like, their fries are pretty good. So, um, when I went there, and I had a burger, fries, and a drink, and it was like 20-something bucks. What did you get? Uh, I didn't get anything fancy. I got bacon put on it, so I don't Man. know. But maybe not twenty. It was eighteen in that price range. But twenty bucks. Yeah, that's yeah. That's, that's, that's a little bit. I don't have ever spent that much. I mean, huh. must have, they must have. We gotten, need like, to go next week. Must have gotten a specialty burger. I don't yeah. know what they were trying to. Do. So there's that. Um, and there's a couple other places here locally. Haystacks, okay. Some other things like that. But so I'm again kind of get back to the question. So I'm more of like favorite food, probably burgers. 
But when I go to a restaurant, anytime that they say, hey, this is what we're known for, I'm the dude that's going to try it. And I will I will judge a restaurant off of that one thing. So if I don't come back, it's because you didn't nail you didn't nail your the one food that you said you were known for. Uh, the common table down at the Star. Have you ever been there? Did I go to the common table? Yes, I did. I actually took um, I actually took my uh, my my staff my team down there um, a couple a couple months ago. After I leave yeah. the children's ministry, <laughs> yeah. that's when yeah. he takes. Yeah, I took hey, team. I, I took them down there just as a, as a thank you, um, and it was okay. It was solid. But here's the thing: it was like lunch, like on a Thursday. Yeah, we waited an hour for our food. Really, there was like no one there, mm-hmm. so we were trying to get in and out for a meeting. So I don't know. My judgment's probably a little askew because I was trying to get back to back to the back to the church for a meeting. They have but... a chicken fried ribeye. Oh yes, didn't see that one. Hi- highly recommend the chicken fried ribeye. Okay, and the chicken pot pie that they have is amazing. Like who wants a chicken pot pie? But the yeah, thing say, is what... about. Yay big with a big old biscuit on top okay. of it. It's it's chicken soft. pot pie and meatloaf. Two things I never ordered at a restaurant. No, I, yeah, I wouldn't either. But yeah, one is one. too risky. Like those are really easy recipes. Be like, you know, in the back, be like, hey, what do we got left over? I don't know. Throw it in the pot pie. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh. You know, but it's also like those two recipes that I feel like most people grew up in their house, and their mom always claimed that they could cook those two things. So it's like, all right, we're just going to protect mom's mom's reputation here. If it ain't mom, mom's meatloaf. I'm not eating it. If it's not mom's pot pie, I'm not eating it. So, uh, but if you recommend it, I mean, I will chicken chicken fried ribeye first. Okay, and then that the makes next sense. time you go, the pot, pot pie, pie, just because it's 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 a work of art. Good deal. It's beautiful. Good deal. What do you feel is your greatest strength? Um, oh, uh, endurance. Uh, you know, growing up, I was. Uh, I mean, y'all, y'all are saying that to me. I'm, I'm all of five foot five, and back when I had hair, I may be able to claim I was five six. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'm not. Never was really the biggest guy in the room. And I was having a conversation with someone about this um, a couple weeks ago. Someone that was asking me my perspective on things, and um, so playing a lot of sports, I was kind of in a position where pretty, pretty self aware that in most cases I was not going to be the most talented dude in the room when you're playing sports, especially when you start hitting higher level sports. Um, now I work my butt off to do, to do my best, but there are just some there, you know, I started hitting that, that, that point where there were some limitations and, and even, even on the flip side, um, whether it was, you know, when I was working before came coming and working full time for churches and doing pastoral work, or even now, you know, several years into, you know, being, you know, serving as a pastor and working on ministry staff, in most cases, I'm pretty self-aware of the fact that I'm not, I'm usually not the most talented person in the room. Um, I just try and surround myself. I do my best trying to surround myself with people that are more talented with I. Um, But the one thing I always wanted to be known for was you can count on me to be here even if no one else is. Um, And I think it's a really important quality in, in, you know, what I do, you know, serving churches and serving communities. I think just as as a man, it's a really important quality. Um, And one that's, um, if you're not intentional with it, is easy to lose. Mm. Um, and so, uh, I was, I was thinking about that again, it was a couple weeks ago, I was having a conversation with somebody and they asked me like, well, where'd you, where'd you get that a little bit? And ironically, I think it started, um, I would have been, I think I was 13 and I'll never forget. Oh, now I remember I actually got in a fight with a kid on my street over something Star Wars related. I don't remember <laughs> that cause we had, we had those plastic lightsabers that yeah. came up and it was something re- I may have been, I may have only been 12 and this kid was a couple years older than me. I remember his name, his name was James. And so James was, you know, early high school. I'm in middle school. And we were 
who knows what I said. I probably said something snarky. And next thing I know, James is kind of beating the living snot out of me. And I got I got I got kicked around a little bit. And so I remember I went to my dad and, and uh you know, told my dad a little about a little bit about it. He he helped talk me through it and then um started introducing me to just kind of some basic workouts and I, something just kinda of flipped and I don't even remember it may have been something my dad said or just along the lines. It just kinda of switched to me. I was like, I don't care so much about whether or not I'm the best. And I don't even necessarily care about if I win. If I lose, though, I want them to remember. I want them. I, I want them to remember that one thing about me was everything was left on the line. Yep. I'm a big winner lose guy. I don't like losing. And my wife will even tell you, like, even like small projects around the house. If I don't think it's gonna be good, I will walk. Nope, we're not doing this. Like, I'm just. I, I look for winning opportunities. But one thing's for sure. Even if I lose. I will do everything in my power to make sure that no one ever looks at Blake and said he gave less than a hundred percent. Um, and that was something I carried it through, you know, playing sports again, never won MVP. I got enough, like oh, Blake won Lionheart award and <laughs> most courageous player and did his best. And, you know, uh, as I got older, I actually learned to really value those things because you can, as long as you're growing and as long as you're learning, there will come a point where in certain areas you might be the best in the room. But if you're willing to um, endure, and endure doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing, but just the the best ability in most cases is availability. And so um, as a very long-winded answer to that question, but uh, I would say what in terms of what's my what's my greatest strength, but also what's what do I hope is forever my greatest strength is my ability to endure and my ability to see things through. I have a, a, a similar core value and it's uh, perseverance. Uh, it really is just continue to go through whatever I'm going through. But I, uh, I would also say for some reason, I like the part where you say, I'm going to give it all my, give it all. And um, yeah. you put me on a volleyball court, you know, or any kind of sports. And it's not something that I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm definitely Leaving it out on the road. Well, I was, it's funny. I was going back. I was listening to y'all's, uh, y'all's interview with Pastor Jay, Pastor Jeremy McBaker. Um, I think it was like last April whenever when y'all, and he, you talking about basketball. Well, I've, I've seen Pastor Jeremy. Pastor Jeremy can play basketball. Yeah. I know the sport of basketball. I, again, huge sports guy. But my game is baseball. Basketball? No. Not even close. But I'll go and play with guys. And there's one thing, there's one thing I promise you. I will hustle until I have nothing left to give. Which means I can probably play really great defense. Just don't ever expect me to actually hit a shot because we don't know if it's going in or not half the time when I shoot. <laughs> but I will, I will, I will come home, wake up the next morning, and Kelsey may have to help pull me out of bed. It was like uh, everything hurts it, but I gave it everything I had, and that's just something just for me personally. Like that brings me, that almost brings me peace knowing that whatever it was, I at the at the very least, I gave it everything I had. So I think it's important. Did you ever see yourself becoming a pastor? I think there were seasons where I did, um, you know, coming as a, as a really young guy. So 18, 19, when I started making those important life decisions, I was really trying not to. Um, I had an opportunity. One of the things I was very fortunate about me and part of the reason why, especially in this season of life, my wife and I are kids pastors is both of us were beneficiaries of amazing kids pastors. And what I mean by that was even once I was no longer a kid or and no longer 
10, 11, 12 years old. They continue to pour. I'm still connected with people that were my kids' pastors today. They're like, I, I listen to them for advice after all these years. Um, <clears throat> and so coming, you know, coming out of that, I had time, I had opportunities as a very young teenager. I mean, I was, we were traveling, we were in Green Bay, we were in California, we were doing conferences with hundreds of kids and all those people. And so I had a lot of exposure to a lot of ministry stuff early on. And then once I hit adulthood and started making decisions, I had been around it so much. I was like, I don't know that I want to do this. It's not everything it's cracked up to be. And, you know, maybe I want to do, I looked in a lot of sports stuff. Just in that season, I was really, I was really wrestling with it. I really was. And was pretty adamant about the fact that I, I don't think I want to do ministry stuff. I'm all for serving. I'm all for helping. I don't know that I want to do it. Um, and that was probably the case until um, I was about 21. And again, it wasn't necessarily a one particular moment. It was just over a series of very small events. The Lord really, at age 21, started to deal with me about identifying areas within myself that I need to take responsibility for improving. Whether it was aspects of my character, my personality, skills, I needed to own that. And what happened was the moment I started being intentional about that at 21, I realized that I was only ever going to be satisfied being able to help people the way that someone helped me. And that drove me back to the ministry aspect, mm-hmm. whether it was, and even at that time I, you know, was it going to be youth ministry, kids ministry? Something. I wasn't even necessarily looking for a specific youth ministry. It, it really was just a matter of, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going to get busy being available. I'm going to get busy doing anything that you asked me to do. And lo and behold, it led me to, to this place, um, to where now, you know, I have the opportunity to, to work with, work with my just brilliant wife who's amazing. And we, you know, we were helping in kids ministry right now and we're leading teams. And, you know, we had a season where we were doing youth ministry and middle school ministry, which was just tons of fun on its own and things I never would have possibly imagined. And, you know, I'd love to say that there was like this one just mighty moment at the altar where God dealt with me and said, this is what you're called to do. And I would say I probably had that when I was a little kid, but there's, there's something to be said about making a decision once you hit adulthood. And for me, once I hit adulthood, it took a little bit of time. And the thing that did it was really just identifying some things that the Lord wanted to develop in me. And the moment I made that decision, I said, Lord, okay, help me, help me grow, help me be better, help me identify these areas, help me be the man you want me to be. It really quick, very quickly brought me back to, Lord, I believe that to at least some degree, you're asking me to be a man who's heavily invested in a church setting, helping people in whatever way you ask me to do it. And that's really been the driving focus for it. Um, and so, again, not like a one like big moment. It really was just through a series of events. I just really recognized like this is this is this is what he's called me to do, and this is what he's put me here to do. So. So one of the questions we had on there was what ministry you're most passionate about. And it sounds like kids has been where it is because of how you got started and who poured into your life. You just wanted to to return that. Yeah, I would say, I would say families, families in general is something that both, again, both my wife and I are extremely passionate about. Um, In this season of life, our our primary focus is, is kids ministry. It's a very easy thing for us to put into because again, we were beneficiaries of just, amazing kids pastors and really what what drove that and what we saw were 
kids pastors who were not looking for the next thing, but understood. Um, you know, my information would be a, a little bit dated, but it's uh, the last thing I saw was, you know, if a, if a kid, if a child does not have a moment <clears throat> where they make a decision to follow Christ, I believe by the time they hit that 12, 13 age range, the opportunity or the chances that it happens after age 12, 13 drops to 17%. And then after I believe it's age 18, it's officially in the single digits. Before that age range, it's anywhere between 40, 50% chance. As long as there's people presenting the truth of God's word to them and speaking, there's, there's a high chance. But the moment they get into that, that kind of post middle school, they're entering teenagehood, they're starting to like adulthood starting to come around the corner, it drops. And what that says to me is the importance of having spiritual leaders who are willing to partner with moms and dads or whoever the guardian is in that kid's life is so important. Then you look at a big picture. Okay, we live in a day and age where, you know, what is marriage is a huge debated topic. Um, what are families? What's that supposed to look like? Massively debated topic. And what we're finding in Gen Z and then Gen Alpha and all these generations is we're now down to like 4% of the generation that even grows up with um, any measure of biblical morality or any biblical worldview. It's down to like five, four, five percent of kids are growing up with that. And so for, for us in our house, it's, Lord, how can we best serve families? How can we live our lives? But also how can we lead to really be an advocate for the fact that, hey, the way that God set this up and intended families to be able to be is the best way. Not just the right way because we say it's the right way. It is genuinely the best way to live your life. Like, that's the best way. And, and so, you know, and, and being kids pastors, it's not, we're not just in the business of just ministering to kids. I mean, I, there's not a Sunday that goes by where there's not a conversation with a mom or dad or aunt or uncle or a grandma or grandpa who's, you know, maybe taking or raising, raising the kids. It's, it's a family, it's a family thing that we do. Um, and it's a family. I mean, at Elevate Life, we're, we are about family. You got your family of choice, your family of origin. And so, just with where the church is going and what's happening, people and and leaders in the church who are willing to be intentional in terms of really presenting the truth of what a biblical family could and should be and what comes with that, I think it's just going to be even more important as time goes on. Um, and it's really something that in our house, even with our kids and how we involve them and in what we do, it's really important for Kelsey and I to be able to just be advocates for, hey, look, God's way is the best way. And even our own house, we don't always get it right. But there is a way. The Bible says that his, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts mm-hmm. are higher than our thoughts. And that's true within our marriage, within our parenting, within our relationship with, you know, family of origin and family of choice. Um, and it's just as we've gotten, as we continue to get older and we continue to grow our own family and get further down that path as parents ourselves, that passion to be able to help families in whatever way the Lord asks us to do it is continuing to grow and evolve for Kelsey and I. And so we really are just in a season of life. Lord, help us, you know, raise our raise our own family, raise our own kids. But in the midst of that, Lord, however you wanted to use us to, to help families, we'll, we'll do it. And, and, and that includes, man... ELC, all right, we're going to pour everything we got to help 
you know, make sure that kids have an opportunity to have that moment with Jesus um, that could ch- literally change your life forever. Just that, that moment, one moment in the presence, I, I, you know, I can get me on this whole thing. Literally just a, a moment with Jesus. Because no, it's, it's my belief that a child will recognize Jesus before any adult ever does. I think Jesus recognized that. to why he made a big deal about it in the Bible. When he was correcting not the children for coming forward, he was correcting the disciples for not allowing them to come forward. And it's when when a kid when a kid gets Jesus when a kid sees Jesus, it changes the whole family. Hmm. You can't as a parent you can't as a parent be the same when your when your little boy or girl comes home back. Mom, Dad, an amazing time at church today. We just spent time in 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 praise and worship with Jesus, and I learned about how Jesus is for me and He's not against me. When your child starts getting something, it changes changes you. You know how I know? There's this movie called Encanto right now. That goes 24-7 in my house because it's on Disney+. Plus. And guess what? I know all the lyrics to Encanto. Do I want to know all the lyrics to those songs? No, I do not. Do I want to talk about Bruno? I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about Bruno or not. But I know everything about that movie. Why? Because my three-year-old is all about that movie right now. If that's true about a movie, how much more true is it for when a boy or girl suddenly has a moment with Jesus and it clicks and they bring that home with them? And so what we do within kids' ministry, and again, we've done youth ministry before, is keeping in front of ourselves and even talking, you know, even Scott talking with our servant leaders recently about just realizing the magnitude that you don't know you're having. When a group of adults are willing to come together and say, hey, we will lay down our lives and serve on a Sunday to be able to provide an opportunity for a boy or girl to know Jesus, we will not know the impact of that until we get to heaven and then there's a there's not just a boy or a girl but potentially a whole family that comes up that say hey generations of my family were impacted because you were willing to serve you served in that area scott we don't know we don't know there 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 were likely boys and girls who there were seasons of their life where you were the best example of a father for them and you didn't know it and the impact that 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 will have there's a reason why jesus identified kids and he linked it to the kingdom of heaven. And he talks about it extensively. I, I, won't, I won't go into it, but there's power in that. And, and it just, it adds, it just adds so much weight to what good weight to what, to what I do, to what our teams do, to why kids ministry is not just daycare. We're not, we're not there just to watch your kids while you get to go have big boy church. Right. Right. It's no, we want, if, if you're here, if, if the mom and dad are here in Bible and in, in their service, guess what? Their boy or girl is going to be hearing Bible in their service as well. Mom and dad are praising Jesus. Their son and daughter is going to be praising Jesus because this is a family thing. And contrary to what the world says, we're going to be the ones that say, hey, look, there's a way. There's a way to, that's better. There's a way to live. There's a way for families to be that's, that's better than what the world has to offer. Amen. And I'll stop right there. I keep going on and on, but I just, uh, no, it's just, it gets me every time. Hey, Strikers, uh, let's uh, take a break, and we'll get some more uh, information because we're having to pull it out of Blake if you haven't been able to notice. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll be right back. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. 
It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. We use Anchor for this podcast and our other podcasts the weekend from A to Z. So if you're about to start a podcast, lift Anchor with Anchor FM and set sail on your new adventures. And we're back. Welcome back, Strikers. Uh, we're talking with Blake Strum, uh, the children's ministry pastor at ELC. What do you find yourself in prayer most often about? Um, I think the season of life, I think it's twofold. Obviously, having little kids, that's that's often a thing. Um, either just you know praying over them and their future and the, 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 the man and woman that they'll become, but also just in the moment, like, Lord, help, help me, show me, um, you know, especially when they're any, any age range. Um, but especially in the season where they're real little, it's like every time you like, I think I got this parenting thing down, <laughs> like the next, Easy. like the next <laughs> moment you're like, Oh man, I have no idea what I'm I really doing. Messed that you know? one up. It's like, Oh, I messed that one up or I shouldn't have been so upset about that. Or why was this bought? And so a lot, I would say probably half the time, a lot of it revolves around that. But in this season of my life, I think the the next portion of that, most of my prayer is made up um, in regards to myself and my wife. So I think it's real easy in in talking with other families or talking with other couples. It's real easy in this season, especially when you have small kids, to feel like you're laying down all your other dreams and ambitions and everything else in life. And everything's got to stop. And I think for myself and for my wife, just praying over both of us, Lord, in this season, in the season of life that we're in, help us see how we can continue to go about fulfilling what you've placed in my wife's heart and what she's called to do, what I'm called to do. Help us see how to continue to drive that and be examples to my kids, not just as parents, but as husband and wife and as a man and woman of God in this season to where we're able to still go about accomplishing what you've put us on this earth to do. I've seen so many uh, husband and wives or parents that just it's almost like if it's not about parenting they everything else just kind of shuts up shuts down in regards to their personality or their life or their relationships and some of that's to be accept, expected you know parent being a parent it requires a whole lot of sacrifice um but sometimes it crosses over into this this approach as though your life's almost over. I mean, that was probably the most awakening things to me, even being in a church setting. When we first found out we were pregnant with our first kid was the number of men that came up to me and would actively like jokingly, but you know how with guys it's like, ah, oh, mm. I'm serious. Um, it was, <laughs> it was that approach of just, well, your life's over. Well, you know, just ha- have fun. Hang know? it up now. Yeah. And you know what? In reality, if I look at how scripture talks about fatherhood, if I look at, you know, other examples of men around me, whether it's, you know, my, I was blessed to have a very, very active dad, a dad that played a huge role in my life, and both my parents. You just look at that and you go, you know, parenting should be the next step. It shouldn't be the end. And so I would say in this season, but it all kind of, it all revolves around kids. Like it all does, but it's twofold. It's okay, so praying over my kids, but also praying over my wife and I so that we are, with our own relationship, we're able to continue growing. Um, especially for us, cause we work like three feet away from each other. 
Like my wife and I are always together. We're we we've always worked together from the moment we got married to to now, and it's something we want to continue doing. So I think, you know, praying over praying over our our, our own relationship, praying over okay, Lord, where do you want us taking our family as a whole? Where do you want? How do you want us growing as individuals? Um, just because it's important for both of us to not treat the season or any season of parenting as though everything else has to has to just stop and there's just nothing else. But the reality is, is if we can incorporate who God's calling us to be, incorporate um, how he's asking us to grow, if we incorporate um, the people that God's asked us to, 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 to be a part of and love on and serve and whatever, whatever your job is, incorporate that in with being parents, I think is when you see some of the coolest things happen because then you get to see your kids watch as God uses you and your spouse. And so... Again, I think very, very long answer, so I apologize. But those are probably the two main things where most of my prayer time gets spent on a personal level. I like it. Uh, where'd you uh, meet Kelsey? So Kelsey and I met. Um, so Kelsey's actually originally she's born in Cincinnati, um, raised in Green Bay, then went to school in Oklahoma over at Oral Roberts University. Um, and she wound up. Um, interning at the church that I was already at. It's a church that uh, I had, I'd been around a good portion of my life, kind of come up in. And so she started interning while I was a youth and young adults leader at that time. Um, I wasn't on staff, uh, at staff yet. And so we kind of got connected. It was actually my sister that recommended Kelsey to me. She was in the youth group while Kelsey was interning there. And at the time, I was like, no, no, I'm good. I don't, I'm not trying to date, you know, all that stuff. And, <laughs> and uh, we wound up doing a, a mission trip to Juarez as a sports camp. Something like 1,400, 1,500 kids there. It was amazing. Whoa. But it's Juarez, Mexico. You know, the most romantic place on earth, like the most dangerous <laughs> city in the world. Uh, so like we, I think we got there, and literally they, we were on the bus. We had a security team with us. And we crossed the border. We go to this, this dried-out sports. I mean, it's literally just a dirt field with a couple of nets and one slide. And like, all right, everyone, this is where we're going to do in the sports camp. We're like, oh, yeah, cool. The security team's like, all right, that way's the border. If anyone ever says run, move, or you hear gunshots, you run until you – and that moment we're like, <laughs> oh, cool, this is one of those mission strips. And so um, and so we just uh, – again, it was, like a, it was like a three-day thing. And on the flight back, we just kind of hit it off a little bit. And, and even after that, I was like, no, no, I'm not trying to do any mission mission dating, you know, none of that stuff. And – I think it was about a week later. I finally was like, "I'm being an idiot. We just need to. I just need to ask her to go to a movie." And uh, that was our first date. We dated for six months, gotten got engaged. We're engaged for five months and got married a, um, almost a year to the day we first went on our date. So we were. I wasn't messing around. I was like, "All right, cool. Nice. I think this is the one. Let's go." Let's so go. let's not waste time. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how we, that's kind of how we got connected in the. I think at the time, drug capital of the world, Juarez, Mexico, we really hit it off. <laughs> so, where'd you go on your honeymoon? Uh, Colorado, Colorado Springs, the Brownsville. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, uh, Colorado Springs. Oh, uh, uh, Colorado's not one of those places you never twist my arm to go. So, um, we just we uh, it's uh, off of I think it's twenty four in Colorado Springs, uh, up towards Pikes Peak. We we stayed up there. So, and we've been back. We go back every two or three years just to. It, then usually it's not even an extravagant vacation. It's just to kind of be there. Um, it's real easy to find some quiet places. Agreed. And for me, it's just, hey, if I got a quiet place and a little coffee shop, that's about as much vacation as I need. What's, a, what's your favorite pastime? 
sports. That's my guess. Uh, right now it's changing diapers, bedtime, mm-hmm. um, playing with PJ Masks characters, and um, rolling around in the playroom with my kids. Worst so worst diaper yes. changing experience that you've had. Oh, hands down, it was. We were at a pump, the pumpkin patch. I don't know if y'all been to the big pumpkin patch that's over here at Aubrey. It's family run, family run place. Okay, and they got a big old deal out there. It was a pumpkin patch in 2020 with my son, and so my wife and I will grade it off of the wipes. Like, okay, how many how many wipes do you have to go through? 27 wipes. Whoa, I'm talking, and of course it's the day that we have no backup clothes. You are totally. down to literally one diaper, so yeah. it's like this is it. Like, like son. You, I hope you got everything because we we have no other options right now, and we're out at a farm, so it, it's I'm having to change him in the back of the car, and it's like it's starting to rain, like all everything, like all the the climactic things were going on, and so that would be, I would say that was, was October of 2020, and um, yeah, that one, that one will stay with me for the rest of my life. It's going to be a really precious memory, <laughs> precious memory. So let, let when, me tell you mine. You yeah. Tell, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You can, you <laughs> Here, now, how long? Here's the wait, how long's it been since your since yours were in diapers? Well, you can tell that story when he gets married. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. Like, uh, hey, so hundred percent. Yeah. Twenty seven wipes. It'll be the highlight, the headline of my speech about him. Just hey, twenty seven wipes. Uh, for his bride, know what you're getting into. I think that, um, is, that is something. But I mean, you, you're going to share a story now. How long has it been since yours were in diapers? So, Caden is the youngest, and he is 17 at this time. So, this is how strong of a memory slash scarring that happens when you're doing diapers. Yes, <laughs> you're doing diapers. Yes. But, so, anyways, what, what, what? so Saturday morning, I'm sitting on my couch eating some uh, honeycombs, watching yeah. some cartoons, like any good uh, uh, father would do uh, while the kids are sleeping, and uh, he wakes up. And uh, I walk into the door, into his room, which I'll show you what I did to his room. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. It, it's my, it was my Sistine Chapel. Like, oh, wow. From, from the bottom of the carpet to the top of the carpet to the ceiling, I painted uh, uh, Finding Nemo. It was a whole theme. Anyway, that's, that's, we're getting, I'm not allowed to paint in my house, so all the respect in the world for that. Uh, I'll share those pictures with you. I'm pretty proud of it. No it took six months. I have, I have no patience for painting. So no? it's not. My wife's like, don't, I'll handle it. Don't do it. So I go into his room and uh, I can smell the diaper. Mm. I mean, it's Saturday morning diaper, right? Mm. So I, I grab him. Uh, I set him on the changing table and uh, I take off, you know, the little strippy things and open the diaper and every bit of honeycomb goes all over him. Every honeycomb that I ate just 15 minutes prior to me changing that diaper, all over that kid, all over the rug. Yeah, it was, it was, I, I understand why he and I have some confrontations now. You think it's scarred that me? one's still seared in the back of your mind. Mm. It may actually be seared in the back of his that's mind. What I'm that may have been his first, that might be, that's, his first that's why his rebellion. Yeah, do you remember that time he threw up on me? Yeah. <laughs> It was so bad. I'm so embarrassed, but that was it was funny. Just honeycomb. Uh, for those that don't have little kids, we apologize. But for those that have little kids, you 100 percent understand this conversation uh, right now because yeah. it's just. Alan, you've got. I don't have one like that. No, nah, my oh. wife, my 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 bride Shannon, she has one like that. Oh, okay. She's yeah. driving him. She's driving Isaiah, our oldest, who's driving him home. Uh, picked him up after uh, preschool, driving home, and you know he's in the back seat, and she smells obviously the diaper. Yeah. She's like, oh. Like, okay, well, he definitely needs to get changed. 
and she's driving and you know she you know looks back and like checks on him and he's got his hand down the back of his pants no, that's never good and she's like what are you doing like what are you doing and he's you know playing with it and cla- oh, no. <laughs> clapping his hands oh, no. this is not the car that we have now he's clapping his hands and it's you know just spraying everywhere in the car <sighs> And she she came home and she was like, I just need to burn the car. I just need, <laughs> like we just need to get rid of it. Yeah, oh yeah. I'd like to, we, I'd like to see the owner's uh, face after they hear the story now. Oh, oh yeah. My, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so as far as hobbies go, obvious uh, all jokes aside, obviously you know with little kids, uh, it's a little bit tricky. Hobbies right now, um, I really actually I really enjoy having a honey do list. So again, I don't. I don't paint. I have no patience for it. But I, I actually really enjoy when, when my wife says, hey, can we build this? Can we do this? So I'll, and I take pride in my, like, 90% okay projects that I do in my house that aren't totally perfect. So um, I would say that. And then, uh, again, anything that's sports-related is always just kind of an outlet for me. So going to a sporting event, um, you know, there will be sometimes us, you know, talk with Kelsey, like, hey, can I just, I just need the night to, like, go, go, like, go in the office and watch a game or something. Just, I'm not ignoring you. It's just, it's just... Um, it's just an outlet for me. Again, it's always, um, sports has always been that for me. I'm not one of those guys, again, I played it, but I've always been pretty aware from early age that I am, I'm a fan. Like it's, mm. yes, I, I'm, I'm a decent athlete, but I'm, I take all pride in the world of being a fan. My mom even tells, tells a story this day as, as all moms do. I mean, I, I was back when McDonald's used to have the, the old hanging TVs in the corner where they'd be mm-hmm. running news and stuff. Um, in the playgrounds that were actually fun and kind of dangerous outside. Yeah, um, the best I, mean, I would be, you know, my, my, my mom would still remind me, I'd be three or four years old, and I would I would choose to be in there because Tiger Woods was playing. And I knew I knew Tiger Woods' record. I knew who he was playing. I knew some of the other guys that he was golfing against. I knew how to tally a score at a golf game by the time I was like five or six. <laughs> I was, and I remember the first time my, my family was, finally we were able to get cable. It was like the most luxurious thing in my eyes that my parents ever. I was like so proud of my dad because that meant we had ESPN. And up until that time, ESPN only happened when we were at the hospital because my mom was having one of my siblings, or when we were at one of the restaurants and ESPN was going on. So it's just it's it's always been an outlet for me. Uh, a lot of memories wrapped up in sports, either games that I went to or just. You know, seasons of life. It was it was an easy an easy easy way for me to kind of just go and breathe and relax. Especially baseball. Baseball's always been my favorite fan. That's, so that's, the, that's your one. Yeah, that's my one. I mean, I'm I'm just praying that sometime in my lifetime the Rangers will actually win a World Series. Is that but your team? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> been long. Yeah, it's been. Long. There was there was 2011 yep. was just a season of of mourning for me <laughs> after that Cardinals World Series. But um, yeah, I just. Uh, again, it's it's just one of those things that's always it's just always been a passion and also always loved. So, I think those two things right now, you know, having a good having a good honey do list, I'm good with, and then sports. It's always sports. What do you feel that God is working on you with you in this season? Who you want just one thing? Um, <laughs> I think um, in, in this season of life, I think it's. There's probably two things. I'll say there's two things. One is um, patience is always kind of one that's always going on for me. From a very early age, I was a very impatient young man. Very, very, very impatient. And when I was when I was younger, it, it would trigger kind of an early fuse. 
not not in a bad way. I just I was I was typical short kid that had a quick fuse, you know, and so um and so being able to develop that patience to be able to mature that aspect of my personality was something that I started doing um early on and I think the Lord's just gonna continue to help me um in, in that area. And part of that is because I'm big on winning. And so when I feel like a situation, a circumstance, a relationship is not winning, I lose patience with it a little bit. And so that that's one I'm at peace with. Lord will be working with me on that till I go to heaven. And then we'll see when we get there. He may have to continue working with me on it. Um, the the other one in this season is is being able to be at peace with where with the season of life that I'm in. And I think that that correlates both to just on a personal level within just being a dad, being a husband, all that. But especially in a season where um, you know serving in church, serving in church as a pastor, um, you know as, as in my age range, especially when I first came on, um, you know, was full time doing pastoral ministry. One of the things that you really see in my age range amongst church leaders is this inability to be okay with being um, small or be okay with the lack of recognition in the season that you're in, especially in a time in the church where the the idea of being a prominent public figure figure is really appealing really appealing now, that's a whole other layer of conversation i'm not saying that that's always bad or always good um but there's there's a lot of very prominent and very like young leaders and so when you come in and you you step into this role as as either a pastor or just as a as a young man or woman working in a church usually the conversation I wind up having with those that are younger than me are having to navigate that that frustration with why aren't things happening quicker? Why isn't my area or my ministry growing quicker? Why isn't, though, the Lord told me I was supposed to be doing it. And there's, it's kind of along the lines of that patience thing still, but it's more about just understanding the season of life that you're in. Um, and I think for me, it's it's still that. So for me right now, it's, Understanding what the season of life of parenting and being, you know, a church leader, helping a community, helping a community, helping our family of choice, serving in whatever way I can. What does that look like? Because with, with honestly, with every kid that changes, and we're on our second one now. What I learned really quick was, oh, the dynamic changes a whole lot when you go from one kid to two kid. Wait a minute, you know, and and being at peace. And being able to trust the Lord in those seasons of your life where you might feel like not much is happening. And I feel like just now at, uh, you know, 30, 31, about to be 31, just now starting to really be able to view that and handle that maturely in terms of just, Lord, I, I've been, I know enough to know that I can trust you in this season of my life where it is all about changing diapers and being up all hours of the morning and, you know, all the, all the hopes and dreams that I thought we'd be doing Lord, I lay all those before you. Cause at the end of the day, I just want my life to be able to point back to who you are. And so Lord, in this season of my life, I trust that you are big enough. You are God enough 
to be able to let my life produce that, to, to help other people see you through my life, even in the midst of a season where it doesn't feel like much is happening or much notice of taking or there's not really much notoriety that comes with this season of life. And as I've gotten older, actually being more and more okay with it and, and recognizing that in a lot of ways, especially being a leader in the church, that that, that, that lack of, I don't want to say, I guess lack of notoriety or that, that lack of, um, of, of big time recognition actually makes me more effective at what I do. Because then I, it helps me keep the thing, the main thing, the main thing. And at the end of the day, the main thing is not, you know, you know, my Instagram can be about sports. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a, a Instagram preacher. Um, it's not about, it's not about how many self-proclaimed followers or how things are growing. It's, man, did what I do today show one person something about Jesus in a day in a world where, where it's really hard to see anything that represents a biblical morality or a biblical way of life. Did something I do today point to who Jesus was? And I think understanding and, and growing, growing with that has been, has been probably the, my process the last probably three years, I would say. You know, there was, again, not that you don't want to have, uh, being a church leader, you don't want to have success or things to grow or take off. We all do. Like, yeah, like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I want I want our kids' ministry to be packed full of kids and we're, we're making all kinds of cool noise and there's awesome energy and teams are growing and that's always something we're working on. But, you know, outside of Jesus, what's the, you got to keep the main thing the main thing. And so in this season of my life, I think it's, it's just understanding that accomplishing that, accomplishing my life, reflecting who Jesus is and the truth of Jesus changes. It changes with each kid that comes along as you're raising a family. It changes as they get older. It changes as the relationship with you and your spouse grows. It changes when, you know, careers change or family dynamics change. But recognizing that, okay, if, if life is going to be about all this change and and, and, and continuing to grow and become older to me about all this change, God's big enough to make sure that 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 the things, the passions, desires that are inside of my heart, He's able to still He's able to still do those things in me and for me and and through me. Um, you had mentioned yeah uh, recognition. What would be a tool or something that you would tell somebody that is dealing with or having a hard time? Uh, not being recognized and wanting to be recognized, but then like, how do you, how does a person that is wanting to be recognized and not getting it, how do they get past that knowing that it's, you know, it's probably not important to be recognized. I don't know. Not as important as you think. Yes. Yeah. I think without being like cliche, like church pastor answer, I think my first thing I would encourage them, especially if there's someone who is, you know, a Christ follower or a disciple of Christ is look is look at the context with which Jesus performed his ministry. Then we look at Jesus now and we go, oh my gosh, it's Jesus, right? Well, at that time, Jesus didn't really leave like a certain zip code. And there really was only 12, well, 11 that actually wound up really following him the way, kind of the way that he ministered. And in, in reality, those 11 really didn't get it until Jesus was gone. And the Holy Spirit came. 
In a lot of ways, if we looked at the ministry of Jesus, Jesus would be categorized as a failure based off of today's church and ministry program. In a lot of ways. I mean, Jesus, Jesus started to have a large following, and then he preached this message called um, uh, on communion called Eat My Flesh and Drink My Blood. And Scripture tells us that overnight, they all left. And then Jesus looks at the disciples. One of my favorite dialogues in the, in the Bible. Jesus turns to the disciples and goes, what about you guys? And they, the disciples don't look at Jesus and be like, Jesus, no. You're, you're always right. They look at him and be like, this is literally what they said. They said, where are we going to go? <laughs> Those are the ones that stayed with him. And so for whether it's, you know, whether it's within your career or whether you, you find yourself as a church leader and you find yourself in that season where it's just, it's that, it's that struggle of like, of, again, notoriety may not even be the best word, but that, that struggle of why isn't this taking off the way, why is my business not taking off the way I want it to be? Why, you know, why, why is it such a hard time? Let's just keep it simple. Why is it hard to have friends? Sometimes it's hard to have, especially as a, as an adult, an adult male, develop meaningful friendships or you know, why are these things not taking off? First thing I would say is just like the psalmist, take a step back and look at what you, your Lord and Savior did. Look at what, look what he, he went through. There were seasons within his own three and a half year ministry where there were seasons of isolation, where there were seasons of not necessarily having the biggest following. In the moment that it mattered most, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus came back to them and goes, you guys couldn't pray with me for an hour? <laughs> you couldn't be with me for an hour? But within that, there was something about who Jesus, obviously he's, he's Jesus, he's Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. But within that, there's something about the character of Jesus that despite having those moments, he was able to then turn around and go, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. There was just a divine perspective that Jesus brought with him and that he carried with him in his time here on earth. <clears throat> that helped him understand that just because in the natural or right in front of him, there wasn't the result that he wanted or he knew was coming. He knew why he was sent. And as a, as a, as a leader, as a man, as a husband, as a father, I think we got to pause sometimes and remember why we were sent in a day and age where suicide rates are skyrocketing, especially coming out of COVID. Hmm. Um, and even, I don't want to quote statistics because I could have gotten wrong. It's been a while since so I looked at them. Skyrocketing amongst men, and especially men that have families. I mean, I literally was, I was on TikTok the other day. And there's this mom that's got TikTok trending. And she's trending because she's telling the story of how her husband committed suicide. He's got three little kids. This is the day and age we live. <clears throat> it's because it's because we, we, we associate that recognition as though we are not just succeeding professionally, but that our life has meaning. And the thing that Jesus understood was my life, or better yet, the sacrifice of my life, has more meaning than these people will ever know. They won't even necessarily know it within their lifetime. But Jesus understood the, the importance of the sacrifice that he could provide. Now, fortunately, because of Jesus' sacrifice, we don't have to do that. But as men, with families, as leaders, a lot of what we are asked to do is a sacrifice. We are a sacrifice 
part of who we are and what we want, what we want to serve our wife, to bring bring out the best in her, to to help her ful- fulfill her her hopes and dreams, to to bring out the best in our kids. And yet, somewhere along the lines, that level of sacrifice, God is able to do something. What scriptures say, beyond what we could ask, think, or imagine. And more often than not, it winds up not being the outcome that we think or we want will happen, but it winds up being an outcome that will we will we we will recognize as truly being the Lord's hand in our life. And what I genuinely believe is happening in our culture, one because again I, I keep harping on this. It's just it's something I, I do as much studying as I can on. It's something that our culture is literally devoid of. It's just biblical understanding, morality, and principles. But even within the church. Is the ability that just because there's a season of life where, as a man, you do not feel like there's recognition, there's relationship, or there's success as you would have it happen, does not mean that your day-to-day sacrifice is not having an effect that you don't see in the moment. And... You know, there's again, you can go on and, and on about it, but I, I really do believe in this season there's a there's an all out effort from a very real enemy called Satan, and I think that gets lost in the church sometimes. A very real enemy called Satan to take out men before they come to that understanding, to take them out, take them out of their families, take them out of their marriages, or literally take them out of this earth before a man can begin to understand the reward and the weight that his sacrifice brings because the moment that a man actually sees the significance and understands it in a healthy way, the significance, the role he plays with his kids, the role he plays with his wife, the role he plays as a leader within his organization, his corporation, his business. The moment that we, as a man, we really get that. No one, no one, no one will get us off that path. It won't because it, it appeals to something within us. As a man, you know, God put Adam here to be the one to care and to keep. Adam's job was literally like, you are here to care and to keep, to tend and to grow. And the moment that 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 aspect of manhood is recognized, we will literally run through walls. We have guys that play professional sports that run through each other because to a certain degree, they understand that in their life. They have football to be that avenue for them i'm i'm gonna sacrifice for the team i'm gonna lay it down the line for the team hmm. you know it's e- it's easy it's an easy correlation for men to sometimes make a little bit harder when it's your your wife your kids your business that you just started the the church that you're serving on but the reality is is the more that you dive into being able to serve the more that you dive into being able to find areas in your life that you can actually in a good way sacrifice a part of yourself to serve other people there will inevitably come a moment in time where that that frustration that you're talking about that sometimes can cross over into depression and other things will break because you will suddenly recognize the significance that our individual sacrifice has and i think again just to, just to kind of close I, I really do believe that's why we're seeing suicide rates amongst men just continue to skyrocket because it's an attempt to to pull that part out of our culture, pull that part out of our out of our families, um, because it it's so important. Um, and you know, even serving in kids ministry, Scott, you see that you see the result of 
you know, families where, where, where dads are not in the picture, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it, it, it's, it's really, it's really, really important. But the older, the older I continue to get, the more my family continues to grow and the more that I'm able to serve as a leader in our church, the more I just see, it's not just about having a man in the home. Man can be in the home and not in the home. Yeah. <clears throat> can be it, passive. It's a, yeah, it's a man who's in the home and intentional about the ways that he can serve his family in all these different areas. Amen to that. And it mm. doesn't have to be profound. One of the biggest things, the, the biggest, you know what the biggest pivot of my year was this year? I, I took over cooking the dinners. <laughs> but it was one of the things that after we had our second kid, it, it, was, it was really hard. Not that I, was like, I wasn't the husband that was like, oh, my wife's got to cook all the meals. But Kelsey did a lot of the cooking. Well, we had second ki- two kids. They're a little bitty and diapers. And she's nursing one. And everything's going on. We finally sat down. I was like, so I was like sweetheart, what, what can I do? And she finally, just in a moment, she just goes, it would really be great if you could help with dinners. And this is where I would, uh, if we had the sponsor of Blue Apron. Yeah. Or... Just jump on there and, <laughs> jump on there and go get you some Blue Apron yeah, order to yeah. the house. Yeah. But it, here's, the, here's the crazy thing. In my own personal, a great example of my personal life. That's probably been one of the biggest wins in my marriage this last year. I would agree. That, I'm, and I, I say the, well, I'm using healthy, fresh choice, something like that. Yeah. I, start, I started doing the same thing, and I've actually seen a difference in the marriage as well. Uh, you know, because... It for me, if you, if I told you, hey, if you bring out food, I'll cook it. Just I hate making those choices. Yeah. But yeah. I, so instead of her doing that, I I started that three meals a week, and everything's there. It's nice and easy. And mm-hmm. I tell you, you pull difference. up my you pull up my YouTube profile. Half of it is how to cook. I've I've watched more YouTube videos on how fancy. to fancy. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah. Again, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go all the way in. I'm going to win. So <laughs> I can, win. I go. can, I bought myself before the first day. I was like, all right, we got to buy a cast iron skillet because I grew up in a southern home. I know I got to have that. It turns out you can cook just about everything in a cast iron skillet, and it turns out pretty good. And if it's you want, you want pork, yeah, you want to sear some steak, I got you. I'm your man. I can do that, right? right you know, we want some, we, kids need to eat healthy. All right, we'll we'll make some mixed veggies and some rice, and we'll, <laughs> I've I've. I've gotten it down. I've gotten it down to an art. Now there's there's plenty of nights where we both get home because we uh, we both work. We both get home. And I was like, man, I really don't want to cook tonight. Never now again. Hey, it's pizza night. <laughs> Kids yeah. are up, you know. But for most, for the most case, I will I will do my best. I'll handle most of the grocery shopping and I'll handle dinners. Now that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to always and forever be exactly like that because yeah, yeah. our marriage and our relationship will involve. But that was something this year. That thank goodness the Lord helped me be smart enough and wise enough just to finally ask my wife. What can I do? And she goes dinner. I was like, I I think I, I think I can manage that. I think I'll do that. I think that was one of the and I remember that was one of the questions actually at ELC's marriage night was uh, Pastor Buddy was on stage and he said, you know, if you really want, I don't I don't remember exactly how he worded it, but basically it was like if you really want the truth from your wife, ask her ask ask like, what can I do to serve you better? And you will and like as a man you will get an answer that either a you weren't prepared for or B you are prepared for. Yeah. And if you can do that's and it's little things. It's not yeah. it's nothing huge. It's nothing huge. It's taking out the trash. It's yeah. doing the dishes before she has to ask you. It's, you know, vacuuming the house. It's helping to take care of the kids, you know, when she's making dinner or whatever the case may be. It's little tiny things that like we 
as men, sometimes we we gloss over it because we don't think it's a big deal. It's like, oh, the dishes, yeah, there's a couple there, but uh, I'll do it tomorrow, you know, kind of thing. Or, uh, yeah, I can check the trash out tonight, but uh, it's late. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it in the morning. Or, but it's like, if you just do it now and and not to not to do it and go hey look i took out the trash yeah look at me hey look do i, 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 get, I, my st- I get my star on the wall yeah yeah it's <laughs> like not stars. to do it that way <laughs> not to do it. yeah it's just to do it and and not expect any recognition for it and yeah. i mean you'll see there big things can change yes you guys out there that are seriously listening, man if y'all yeah that key it's tiny stuff it's nothing profound three guys right here that's noticed the difference in that and what it's made in our marriage so and you're not always gonna get it right i think i think it's just understanding that everything most things in our life again are are going to evolve it's going to change um our marriages are our marriage with our wife is supposed to and should change um where it can get sideways is when we're not intentional as the man about like understanding that and being active and helping with that and we just kind of go with it like oh well this isn't the person i thought i was marrying 10 years ago well no duh you've been through <laughs> you've had got five kids three mortgages and five yeah. jobs yeah your marriage changed and, yeah. but guys wind up being upset about that like it's this big shock that you know well she's she's not who i thought she was well you're not either you, you're not the one <laughs> yeah i'm like the thing things change and so but when 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 we're able to take an active role in that, and I love what you said, like it's not sitting down, look at my wife, and go, oh, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? You know, it can't. What's what? What do we got to do? Right? It's it's okay. How? I think that question is so powerful that Pastor Buddy was talking about. How can I serve you? Mm-hmm. Whew. Oh my gosh! Because that one, as a man, sometimes that can hurt. Yeah. Like, how can I? Oh serve, yeah. Sir, serve you because what you're doing is you're opening yourself up for whatever the answer is. <laughs> right. It could be anything. It could be take the trash yeah, out. Except for that. It could be, hey, I we we need. I wish you didn't work where you worked. It could you know, be. Uh, it could be. But then the question is, all right, well, it God God thought enough of you to make you the head of your house, make you the father of your children. So within that, that's not pressure. There's an anointing on my life to be the father to my children and the husband to my wife that no one on the face of the earth has. No one else does. Billions of people, no one else has that grace on their life to do that. So with that level of understanding, if I understand that that grace and that anointing is on my life for my family, then it's my responsibility to seek the Lord on how to do that. Not for the Lord to just show up at the foot of my bed and be like, this is what you have to do. No, it's my job to then pursue. Luke. Yeah, right. Luke. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like, what we want sometimes is just, you know, a Star Wars moment mm-hmm. where it's like, yes, you are, you are supposed to be a Jedi. I'm supposed to be a Jedi. You know, it's, 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 it's being able to understand that that's already been made known to us as men, that this is what we are supposed to do. And so, I, anyways, I, I think it's so powerful. And again... I'm, I'm what, uh, eight years, seven years in, into my marriage, eight years in my relationship, which is to say I've been in the game long enough to understand I don't know anything. You know, it's <laughs> just like I'm at least that smart at this point in my marriage. But My wife tells me that I do that and I don't know anything all the time. Right. So, so. <laughs> Hey, Alan, um, before we wrap it up, uh, who, how do they get in touch with you? Yes, so if you have questions or comments, feel free to email us at... Mighty Anvil 
podcast at gmail.com. It's been a while, huh? It has been a little while. And I always trip it up because I always think of the other podcasts we used to do. Anyways, email us at mightyanvilpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to listen to the podcast off the website, you can go to themightyanvil.com. And you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Mighty Anvil Podcast. Next week we have James Moore, uh, Father Knows Best episode. Mm. Uh, him and Asa came up, and that was an interesting conversation. Uh, a little bit different. Uh, yeah. You were on the phone this time. I was. That's our second time you've been on the phone. Yeah. The other one wasn't that big of a deal, but ha- yeah, it was a little bit weird. Well, the, yeah, it was a little the, bit weird because it was, it was just fresh with baby. So, uh, yeah, and, you know, kind of had... Trying to be at home would be a little, uh, just more intentional. My presence needs to be there. Yes. Isaiah runs. <laughs> He's I can got only so imagine. much energy. Blake, uh, one of the things we ask our guests to do is pray out, pray us out uh, yeah. on the podcast, if you would give us the honor. Happy, happy to, happy to. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I just lift up uh, everyone listening to this podcast, Father, for all of our our men, our husbands that are represented, but every, everyone else as well. Lord, I thank you. Um, that Father, you are you are helping us as men and women of God um, continue to 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 understand how you want us to grow within our personal lives, Father. How to be leaders within our families and for our kids first and foremost, Lord. How to be leaders and servants for our our communities, our family of choices, our churches. Lord, I thank you that in the midst of a, of a culture that is saying it is going one way, that, Father, there is still those of us who say that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts, your ways are higher than our ways, and for that reason, we are going to pursue the things and the way of God. Lord, I lift up anyone right now that may be going through struggles within their marriage. Father, people that may be going through struggles right now uh, with their kids or with parenting or with work. Lord, we speak over that situation. I say, Lord, that you are moving on their behalf, that they are at the right place at the right time with the right people. Lord, I'm asking that you bring other believers across their path to encourage them, to be a source of of hope for them. But Lord, I also pray and hope that this conversation that we've had today be also a source of hope for them and a reminder for them of who you are, who we serve, that Lord, you are for us and not against us that you have a way and a plan for our lives that is far more than we could ever hope, dream, ask, or imagine. And Lord, that as we continue to be intentional in pursuing you and being the men and women of God that you've called us to be, that you are able, as Pastor Keith talks about, have a natural, supernatural correlation where, Lord, the supernatural begins to move around us happen around us and suddenly things that we never thought were possible begin to happen within our marriage for our kids in our businesses our jobs and lord that the testimony of our lives will be that god did something that we never even thought possible lord we love you so thankful to be able to have these conversations in jesus name amen 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 Amen. all right strikers until next week we'll talk to you later